Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Welcome to Uptown Charlotte and the NASCAR Hall of Fame, where traditions and innovations come together. And today, we're honored to welcome one of the great leaders in all of sports, three-time Super Bowl championship coach and four-time NASCAR Cup Series championship owner, Joe Gibbs. He'll be with us for the entire hour on NASCAR America. It's handshakes all around. Hail to the rescue. Joe Gibbs, the NFL Coach of the Year. Hello, Coach. Yes. Coach Ronald Reagan. Yes, sir, Mr. Reagan. And they do it again here when it counts in the big one, the Super Bowl. Picked to win it all. The world championship has been secured. And sports as tough as this. Bobby Labonte is the best you really need to cherish each one of these wins. I wouldn't trade Super Bowls for anything, but this, I'm telling you, is fantastic. From year to year, you're not guaranteed anything. The big trophy will go to Tony Stewart. I've been probably the luckiest people in the world. Lord's blessed me with so much. You don't get many experiences in life. They're special, different. Uh, it's hard to put it into words. Tony Stewart is the 2005 NASCAR champion. One person is not here, you thought. <laughs> yeah, did they win the game today? <laughs> Bush, the 2015 NASCAR champion. I can't be remiss without thanking Coach Gibbs and his family. This night is just all about these guys. It's really a total team effort. It's awesome. Hi, everyone, and welcome to NASCAR America. Marty Snyder, Jeff Burton, Dale Jarrett, honored to have Coach Gibbs and all that history we just heard a moment ago. But before we get to Coach Gibbs, I want to talk about the big news today in NASCAR, obviously involving Richard Petty Motorsports, the 43 car, the iconic car for 2018, will be driven by Bubba Wallace. We will certainly hear from Bubba and the King. Richard Petty coming up momentarily here on NASCAR America. But first, we want to welcome in Coach Gibbs and say it's an honor to have you here, and it's amazing to look at all that history, is it fun to sort of relive it once in a while? Because I know you do, don't do it on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, I think back to that and the NASCAR part of it. If he had just said no, <laughs> I wouldn't be knee-deep in debt right now, okay? <laughs> he got me into racing. No, the football thing, I love it. And then getting a chance to come over here. I've had, I've had two of the greatest thrills anybody could ever have in life been fun for me and it's great to be a part of the NASCAR family. We'll talk plenty of history and all of that and how you got to this point but let's talk about 2017 right now. How's Joe Gibbs Racing doing? You have two drivers in the final eight so obviously in a, in a good position to win the championship this year. Uh, a thrill for us. Uh, you know both those guys Denny, Kyle, excited about that. Mars, Interstate, FedEx are sponsors which means so much to us. And, of course, what can happen to you in our sport, you can have a bitter disappointment. Mm -hmm. That happened to us this weekend with Matt and uh, um, DeWalt and Stanley Black and Decker. It was just, it was a horrible thing to have happen to us and made a mistake there. And as you know, in our sport, you can all of a sudden um, be out of the contest 
I think we probably need to look at that. I would like to kind of review that rule because mm -hmm. I hate yeah. being just benched on something. But anyway, it was a tough week for us there. We've had Daniel doing a great job for us all, all year, a bunch of top tens. So we're thrilled, uh, thrilled to be in the playoffs. I think the playoffs, hey, we got all the manufacturers in there. We got young guys. We got veterans. We got everything. So for the fans, I, I think it's going to be a thrill for all of us. So, so where do you see the strength of the, your two guys that are left? Uh, Martinsville, you got Martinsville, Texas, Phoenix. They got to go through. Where are the strengths and where are the weaknesses? I'd say that if you ask Denny, his whole plan was to try and get to this these last four races. Because if you think about Martinsville, yep. you know, extremely, yep. uh, I think it falls into his wheelhouse. He thinks he's the best position for these four races. Kyle, really across the board, I, I don't think you can pick a place that Kyle wouldn't feel comfortable or think he has a chance. So I think from our standpoint, we love where we are with both those cars, and uh, I think there's heavyweights in there. It's going to be fun. I think for our fans, you don't get any better than this. I tell you, when we went to segment racing, huge deal for all of us, I felt like, as yeah. we went through this year. Yeah. Ever, ever laugh. Man, this past week, <laughs> I, you know, I've never been in a situation like that. I've got sweat coming off. I'm trying to, we're trying to win segments. I mean, it was, but it's got to be a thrill for the fans, too. Joe, I know, I know one thing, and speaking from experience, that, that you're so good with uh, your crew uh, and the drivers. But when you get to this type of situation now where you're down to two drivers that have a chance to win the championship, you, you've got one that hasn't won yet with a big sponsor in FedEx that's been there and helped start uh, the team that Denny's with. Um, I, I know you can't tell, Kyle, hey, it would be nice if we could get Denny and FedEx a championship, but what role do you play as you get into these races now? I think we have our Tuesday meetings for everybody. It's 1030 on Tuesday. We talk over everything. And with all the drivers, it's amazing to me the way they share with each other and everything, because in this sport, I, I think it's a different kind of teamwork. You got four teams working together, but it's still teamwork. As you know, you get to the racetrack, you got four, four teams trying to solve issues. Uh, we try and get, get to a position where you can really race, feel good about it, right setups. So I think, to, I can tell you this, when it gets down to the end, there's no deals. On our <laughs> You've kind of seen it. It cost us, in, you know, in the past, I've had several times that you've got to sit there with the drivers and kind of hope that they'll make up, you know. But I think our guys all want to race for their sponsors, and certainly um, both of our guys that are going to be in the final eight here. It's a huge deal for them. Denny, I, I think he has a tremendous passion of wanting to win. He's been very close before. Kyle's won one, has the experience. So I think both of our guys, you know, I would, I would have to say, you know, they're going to, they're going to make a run at it. I'll put it that way. So, so how do you, how do you keep them? Two drivers. Yeah. How do you, how do you, how do you keep them lined up on those days when? You know, they're racing for a championship against each other, and they're helping each other, but they're also trying to beat the other one. Yeah. Well, how do you keep those guys lined up? Well, I, I think it's not as much me as the crew chiefs and both of them. I've always kind of leaned on the drivers. They have to solve the problems. I'm not out there. Anything between drivers, I always felt like it was up to the drivers. Hey, and if this is your world, you don't want somebody out there ticked off at you because he could cost you down the stretch. Right. And so I always try and persuade our drivers when something happens, go right, finish it right then. Go to the motorhome, whatever you got to do. But I think with when you got competitors like we have, 
It's happened in the past. Dale, I mean, you know, I think you're competing, and everybody understands at the end of these races, everybody's got so much at stake. Your sponsor and everything, everybody's going as hard as they can go. And sometimes, I will tell you this, I get the most nervous when two of ours are up front because yeah. I start going, this could be bad. This could <laughs> be a bad deal. Yeah. So, so let's go back to last Sunday. You, you talked about it a little bit. And we, we've all certainly been around Matt Kenseth a lot and, and wanted to see him you know, go out uh, in, in a really good way. And, and even though they couldn't get that victory, NASCAR says that the rule that was made that too many men over the wall your park for the rest of the day said that 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 was approved by crew chiefs and owners Correct. and I, I really don't understand where you would th where the crew chiefs would think that's a good idea i'm not even sure how anybody can I, that's something that needs to be addressed much sooner than later uh, in in my opinion because there are much more severe things that in my opinion that happen and you're you're put down a lap or something like that i i think everybody after it happens sometimes rules get put through you're thinking about things this was put in when we got the five-minute rule over the wall. And so everybody, that kind of, I'm not sure everybody was focused on it. You get stuff put through. Now that it happens to you, I, I think you look at it and say, this is probably something we need to take another look at. Because no one wants to just be benched for something. Yeah, you know, I can see you get, you're down a lap. You have to take another lap. There's a penalty, whatever it might be. But to be totally taken out, and in this case, you know, the biggest race of the year for him and trying to get in the race. And it would have been probably close in there, would have added to what was happening on, on race day. But I, I think we need to review that. And I would be a strong uh, person in saying we need to probably change that rule. As you say, it's tough to be sent to the bench as, as Matt was sent to the bench there. What do you do? Does, does the coach Joe Gibbs kick in then after that, when you go to talk to a, a driver like Matt and, in, in essence, consoling him for what, for what happened. I think many times the real test of a person is how you deal with the real tough things in yes. life. Look at the way he handled that. Yep. And I got to tell you, his first class, top flight, I texted him on the way home. I talked to him when he came out of the, you know, um, and had a chance to talk to him after the race. And he just handles everything in such a great way. He's a great person, great family. And so I just tried to encourage him and tell him we're going to give him everything we can. I would love to see him win a race down the stretch here. And, um, you know, I still think with his career, I still am not sure what's going to happen going forward for him. All right. Well, we'll get some fan questions today, too. Make sure you send us some notes. Hashtag Ask Coach Gibbs. And we have the first question. Actually, it's from Jen. And it's a very interesting question, Coach, because Jen asked you, before you became an NASCAR team owner, who was your favorite driver? And I don't know that I know that one. Did you have a favorite driver back in the day? Well, I well, loved racing. <laughs> Maybe the guy you picked first. <laughs> I actually had three of them. Oh. Okay, Dale Earnhardt and Jeff and Dale. Oh, okay, that's, that's so a, very that's good a diplomatic answer. Yeah, I mean, here, that's okay? pretty good company. Yeah, that is a very good uh, uh, answer. But in any case, I think I was a Dale Earnhardt guy. I looked at I looked at the sport, loved it. Kind of dreamed about it. Sure. Uh, the boys and I would go to race, but never thought I'd get a chance to be in this. And uh, so as we started dreaming about it, J.D. was a big part. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I had Don Meredith come on board and start working to put the team together down here. But J.D. had a big impetus for me saying, Dad, I'd rather do something in motorsports than I would in football. 
And so JD helped build this. And uh, so anyway, for us, kind of how we got started it was wild. I went and visited with a, with yeah. a with the young driver, and he, he said, "Okay, we'll do this." And it was a thrill for us. And then, of course, I've said one of the greatest victories I've ever been a part of is our Daytona 500. And mm-hmm. there's so many stories about that. That, uh, but it was a great it was a great day for us. Our whole family was there. I got my kids rolling in the grass in the infield. Norm Miller, Norm Miller's got on a big Dale Jarrett picture of him on the front of his T-shirt. <laughs> and so anyway, one of the great thrills of my life was that race and being a part of the NASCAR community. At that point, we'd gone through the whole first year, didn't win a race. I'm saying, did we make a mistake here? Is this too big? We got in it. Well, plenty more to come on NASCAR America with Coach Gibbs, including more about the history of Joe Gibbs Racing. But, of course, next, the big news of the day, Bubba Wallace will be in the 43 next season. We'll hear from Bubba and the King. We'll also look back, as we mentioned, to the beginning of Joe Gibbs Racing and when Coach and DJ won that Daytona 500. I want to hear from DJ about that day as well. And we'll look at the youth movement in NASCAR. KGR's got some young drivers coming up in 2018. That's all ahead when NASCAR America continues from the Hall of Fame. Welcome back to NASCAR America from the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Now, we're in the Hall of Honor, but right next door to us is a fan favorite here, the simulators, where you can climb in and get a taste of what it's like behind the wheel. I know the kids love playing over there. Another major attraction here at the Hall is, of course, Glory Road, which includes the famous number 43 car of the King, Richard Petty. Next season, Darrell Wallace Jr. will drive that iconic number for Richard Petty Motorsports. And earlier today here at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, Wallace spoke with our Dave Burns about his big opportunity. Well, Marty, I did the math. It's been 109 days since Bubba Wallace was in the 43 car at Kentucky Speedway. Yeah, he's been waiting. We've been waiting. What are the emotions like now that the announcement is out and you are in the 43? Well, that was just kind of like a drop on the head, 109 days. But, hey, we're bringing it back. I still got to wait. How many days till the season starts? <laughs> I didn't do that math. <laughs> uh, no, I'm so excited. This is, uh, this is an incredible opportunity, a very humbling experience for me. Just, um, you know, this is not, not my first time around Richard, but I'm his guy now. I'm his guy, you know, starting in uh, here in a couple months, uh, be on the racetrack for the Daytona 500, um, a race he's won maybe once or twice, yeah. and driving the 43. It's, it's all coming to me. Uh, I'm trying to handle it the best I can right now. You mentioned the iconic 43. It's obviously not lost on anyone that it's the first time an African-American gentleman has been behind the wheel full time in over 50 years. What does that mean to you? Um, you know, that, that puts chills when you say that. Um, it's, it's something that I take a lot of pride in, and um, uh, I'm trying to lead the, the, the legacy that Wendell Scott laid for, you know, the diversity role for us. And, and to, to be able to do that and to try to carry it in the best way that I can, there's a lot online for that. And uh, I'm so excited to get to the racetrack and, and show everybody. Um, I think I've proved to most of them that I belong in the Cup Series, but to really just kind of, you know, stamp it in and embed it into their, their, their brains is like, okay, this kid's for real. And uh, he's going to do everything he can uh, to, to make the most of every opportunity that he gets in front of him. So uh, that's just how I'm trying to, you know, take it day by day and, and represent my fan base, uh, the, the color of my skin in this sport and, and take that to the next level. Dreams do come true. And ever since you were this high, you've been sort of climbing that NASCAR short track ladder, uh, drive for diversity program, NASCAR next, uh, Legends cars, uh, K&N cars. What does it mean to you now to see that all come to this? 
Uh, it's special, you know, to see the, the history and, and everybody's everybody has a story. Everybody is, is different on how they've come up through and uh, I'm, I'm the same way. We've come up different routes and, and different challenges and faces and and, and everything that you do, it all creates one hell of a story that I'm, I'll be excited to tell here in the next 10, 15 years. Um, and to see where we, how far we've come to the moment we're at right now talking to you is, is really special, Dave, and um, it's something I always cherish. Well, and, and with the advent of social media these days, are you going to have fun telling us those stories? Oh, absolutely. I mean, here and there and everywhere? I have fun no matter what I do. You know that. Absolutely. Um, biggest challenge for you next year, you'll be going for Rookie of the Year honors. Um, what are you seeing as the, the biggest hurdle you'll have to climb? I think just uh, if, we, if we manage every race, basically how I manage those four races I had driving the 43, then our season's going to go really smooth. But it's a lot easier said than done, right? Uh, you never know what's going to happen. You're going to have your, you know, your failures here and there, and you're going to have your mistakes. As long as we can minimize that and control those mistakes and learn from them and make sure we don't duplicate that, then, um, then it should be a, 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 a it's going to be a hard fault season no matter what. This you're at the Cup Series now. It's it doesn't get any tougher than that. I realized that my second race into it when I was getting passed by everybody on restarts because I thought I was aggressive enough. So there's a lot that's going to go into it. I got to do a lot of homework, you know, before we hit, uh, you know, the high banks of Daytona. But, you know, I'm ready for the challenge. I'm ready for that next step. So I'm looking forward to it. Marty, he just celebrated his 24th birthday a couple weeks ago. So he brings youth, he brings diversity, and he brings what we've all seen so often and, and every weekend at the racetrack, that competitive nature, Darrell Wallace Jr. now in the 43 car. Thank you, Dave, and a very good birthday present for Bubba Wallace, obviously, who improved each of his finishes in his four starts this season in the 43 car, his best and 11th place run at Kentucky. That impressed the King, who becomes Bubba's boss next season. Yeah, you know, he's, he's got an outgoing personality. You know what I mean? He meets the people good. He talks good. He's good with sponsors. He's good with you, know, you all as far as interviews and stuff. And he does a pretty good job in the car. So it takes a whole combination to, to make make a successful deal. One of the big deals was when we had him to come in and, and sub for Eric, we were very, very impressed. In other words, <laughs> we we went through a lot of arguments and stuff because, you know, from time to time he gets overzealous and he had a few wrecks and stuff and we said, look, you know, I mean, we don't want to run four races and have him tear up four cars. So, but when it got in, we, we explained to him what was going on and stuff, he adapted so good and we said, hey, man, this guy listens to what people tell him. And so from that standpoint, it makes it so much easier for us to already work with somebody we've worked with. So some good news all the way around. The 43 car will be back full-time. Bubba Wallace in the sport full-time. And Joe, he got his Xfinity Series start with you guys at Joe Gibbs Racing. So I'm sure there's a part of you that kind of is a little proud papa today. Really, really proud. Uh, it's great to see the king and, you know, Bubba, <laughs> yeah. you know, hooking up. I yeah. think it's awesome. He's got the right coach there. Yes. <laughs> but I, th I think for Bubba, what we saw in him, he has a real passion for what he's doing. He can, as the King said, communicate, represent a company. I think it's going to be easy for them to have sponsorship because they're going to be excited about it. The diversity part of this mm -hmm. is great for our sport. We love it. And uh, I think it's just a, a great situation all the way around. So Coach brings it up. I'll ask Jeff and DJ, I'll ask you guys, first African-American driver full-time in the sport in over 50 years, the significance of that. Yeah, I think it's tremendous. You know, I'm one of us here that was around the sport when Wendell Scott was there. I mean, mm -hmm. literally sitting on pit wall 
having cheese crackers and a Coke with Wendell Scott. So I remember the days when he was yeah. there. And so, you know, he's a member of this Hall of Fame. And this is tremendous opportunity. I'm a huge fan of Bubba Wallace. The, his ability to drive a race car is there. He just needs that right opportunity. And, and I appreciate Richard Petty Motorsports giving him that chance and that opportunity. We're going to see this. If there is anything, and Richard just alluded to it, that is a little bit on the downside to Bubba, it's that sometimes he tries too hard. Can you fault somebody for trying too hard? But that's the one thing that he has to temper. Yeah. But this is a great opportunity. I'm really so excited for Bubba. Yeah, and I, I think about all the, the young men and women that we watch in Bubba Wallace in this journey, and I think that's so important. You know, I, with, with the son that races going all over the country and, and racing little racetracks, uh, quarter midgets, those kind of things, it's so important to have a minority racing at, at the top level so that, you know, young men and women have somebody to look up to. And I think that's so important. And he is, his personality is fun to be around. Oh, yeah. uh, he's very engaged. He's very, he, he's a very, uh, he's very confident in himself yep. and his, his abilities. And I think the biggest thing for him is just like what you said, like, all right, man, you're a rookie. So like, <laughs> like, right. you know, proceed like a rookie. And that, and, but, that, but that's gotten harder for him because, you know, when you get a guy like Daniel Suarez that came in, you get a guy like Eric Jones that come in, and they run so well right off the bat, everybody's like, well, that's normal. Well, it's not normal. And Bubba needs to give him a chance to come in and just, you know, have good, solid days. And what are, what are your real realistic goals? And I think if he approaches it like that, he will have success. Bubba is another terrific example of, of the sport getting younger behind the wheel, right? I mean, we're seeing this massive youth movement, a great transition to the youth movement going on at Joe Gibbs Racing right now. Do you think this is just a trend, Coach? that we're just going to keep seeing the drivers getting younger and younger and younger. Well, I think certainly that's a big part of our sport. If you look at all the race teams, I think if you look at Rick at what he's doing, planning mm -hmm. for the future with William, you, you see the race teams are looking at the future. And so I think that's just a part of what we do. And if you want to be in this sport, okay, we all know what it means to have a great driver. Mm -hmm. It means a lot. Shouldn't tell these guys that. <laughs> okay, don't talk to our guys about contract, yeah. okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. But it does make a difference when you got the right guy wheeling it. Mm -hmm. And so it's very important. I think the race teams are looking forward to the future. I think, and you see across all of our sport, there's young guys coming. We have two of them in the chase right, right. now. So I think this is part of the future, and I think that's what race teams are going to do. Well, you, uh, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. ahead. So, so your Xfinity Series program, is that part of the reason you have that program to, to give young, not only drivers, but crew yeah. chiefs? Because you guys promote. I, one thing I notice yeah. about Joe Gibbs Racing is when you, you bring an engineer in, the next thing you know, four or five years later, right. he's a crew chief. Yeah. Is that part of the Xfinity program? That Xfinity program has meant so much to us. We've had over 100 people come from Xfinity go to Cup. Mm. Wow. But, think about this. You know how hard it is to get crew chiefs? Four, our four crew chiefs all came from Xfinity. And the reason I think we really have that series and put so much into it for us is we want to bring along crew chiefs, drivers, and everybody else that works on cars. It's the training ground for us. It's a big deal. We put a lot into it. We love it. We love that series. And, um, yeah, young guys for us over there. Uh, we just uh, announced that, you know, Bell will be over there for us. And... I, I think that series is a great training ground and it's certainly been that way for us. Uh, all I know is I'm the oldest driver that he ever hired, for sure. <laughs> I think I was 34. Come when, on, when coach, no, that's the truth. But, but, you know, I appreciate where you're going with that now. But is it 
do you have to look at it from your standpoint and being that people person that you are and say, okay, with the younger guys, I have to to become a part of their life and, and talk to them a little bit more uh, to, to get them ready for everything that, uh, that they're about to encounter? Well, certainly it's so important that everybody in our organization is a part of picking drivers and saying these are the young guys we're going with, including Toyota. Toyota has, has looked throughout racing, and they're always looking for the young talent. Christopher came along, and Toyota is the first one that kind of picked up on Christopher. And so I think the whole organization is a part of sitting around on Monday mornings at our meetings. Mm -hmm. That's what you talk about, young guys, and the young guys coming, and where are we with our drivers because it's so important. You know, next year we'll have two veteran guys and we'll have two young guys. And I think it's going to be a good mix. And here's the other thing I've seen is those young guys learn from those veteran guys. And I encourage Daniel and Eric, you know, and Christopher, I say, go to Kyle. You know, go to Denny uh, and go to Matt. Those guys are going to help you, and, it, and they do. And I think that's part of having a, a total race team is making sure that you, you've, you have, the, have the guys that the young guys can go and talk to and get advice. And I think it helps their development for sure. Speaking of the 2018 lineup, let's look at what your lineup looked like just two years ago, Coach. When the average age was 37 Next year, your average age will be 29. Does that amaze you that that you've gotten, what, you know, 12 years younger? Or no, not, eight, eight years year, younger. Yeah. Sorry, I could do math, yeah. Eight <laughs> years younger in just a couple of years. I mean, that's amazing. I'm a PE major, so don't ask me. Don't <laughs> no, ask me anything. Line, yeah. I'm glad it's only four yeah. up there. I can go one <laughs> right, to four. Yeah, yeah. I can go you can, one to four. You can do four, No, yeah. but think about, think about our pro sports, how much it changes. And you, you put that up. Carl surprised us. He walked right. in. Nobody thought about that. I said, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do now? <laughs> but that's a point, too, on being having young people and being ready. Thank goodness Daniel was there and ready. But the one thing you know about pro sports, I've only been in the two I've been in, both of them are rapidly changing going forward. Think about where our sport is, segment mm -hmm. racing, you know, the things that can happen to you on your driver lineup, crew chiefs. It's constant change, and you got to stay on top of that. We just hired Craig Green. I was telling these guys, you guy that came on board for mm -hmm. us, had been in the medical field, comes over to work for us, and after about five weeks with us, he walked over to me. <laughs> and he, he walked over to me and he goes, "Is it always like this?" He <laughs> said, "Every day." I said, "Every day." I have a favorite saying. We're never more than two hours away from a disaster. <laughs> oh, man. That's encouraging. That's encouraging. No, you shouldn't say that. Don't, don't tell Craig that, okay? Hey, uh, in 1991, Coach Gibbs won his third Super Bowl. So in 1992, he said, eh, I'm going to try being a NASCAR team owner. They announced the team in 91 and opened it in 1992. Coming up, we'll relive the beginnings of Joe Gibbs Racing. That's all on NASCAR America. All rise for Premier League mornings. Two of the league's top teams square off this Saturday as Manchester United hosts Harry Kane and Tottenham that Saturday morning, 7.30 Eastern on NBCSN. Hey, check out this history. In 1981, Joe Gibbs became the head coach for the Washington Redskins. A year later, he guided them to their first ever Super Bowl win in franchise history, defeating the Miami Dolphins in Super Bowl 17. By the time his run had come to an end in 1992, he had earned two more victories in the big game at Super Bowl 22 and Super Bowl 26. With his football legacy secured, Gibbs then entered a new world, forming Joe Gibbs Racing to compete in the NASCAR series starting in 1992. His driver, 
none other than Dale Jarrett. Everybody's got their dreams. Very few people get to live them. I've had one in football and dreamed about getting to be a head coach of an NFL team and getting to realize that. I guess I'm one of the luckiest guys in the world because now I get another one that is, uh, I've always dreamed about and fantasized about and thought about. This is what I thought about. He can't call me over to the sideline and say, look, I think you need to drive a little differently. <laughs> well, the only thing about it, I, we will be hooked to him, by the way. I wonder if I could do that. Yeah, I am, but I also had the switch to turn it off. So <laughs> uh, I'll be the most thrilled guy in the world. And I says, I'm going to stay well in the background and you'll never hear anything from me. Actually, I'll probably jump on the hood and go, I did it all. You know what I mean? But uh, that, that, that uh, hopefully I'll be able to restrain myself. Boy, I love driving the race car around on the track at the high school. So very impressive. I, so tell me about, you know, that lovely press conference and the beginning of Joe Gibbs racing. Well, I got to tell you, I want those glasses back. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to mention the glasses, but I held off because I care. Uh, no, the crazy thing was, you talk about a dream. When that all started, J.D. said to me, Dad, I'd rather do something than racing. Yeah. We put together a dream on a piece of paper. We had, I go down to see Norm Miller, our, our, our first meeting right. to talk about sponsorship. He said, now, he said, where's your complex? I said, we don't have one. He said, who's your manufacturer? I says, we don't have one. He goes, who's your, I said, Norm, this is a dream on a sheet of paper. I can't believe it. That man said, let's do it. So then Norm and I are looking for our driver. Mm -hmm. And so we got Dale and I think it was over at the racetrack. Mm -hmm. I still remember sitting yep. in that room and Dale was sitting there and I'm thinking, what is he thinking? You got Norm, who's a wild man. Norm's yeah. throwing all kinds of questions at him. I'm a football coach, and <laughs> we're talking about him getting in a race car. But, you know, one of the best things about that, too, Dale, that history, he said, look, I think after he said yes to us, he said, I think I got a person that could be a crew chief. And I went, who's that? And he goes, Jimmy Maycar. And I said, there is no way in this world. I remember saying to you, mm -hmm. yeah, Jimmy Maycar, just won, he's won the championships and stuff. He's not going to come over here. And can you believe it? Jimmy did. And to this mm -hmm. day, Jimmy's still you know, a big part, big part of our yeah. race team. I think yeah. he had a little influence being his brother-in-law to say, hey, come well, over and work for us. But what were yeah. you thinking of Coach that first meeting? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. We'll go, I'll go back a little further than that. I met him at, at Talladega. Uh, uh, he, he was there for the race, and he was just walking around kind of exploring things. Uh, Max Helton with MRO mm -hmm. brought him up and yeah. so talked. And then uh, in the first of June, the first Dover race, uh, I'd crashed out. And anyway, I was home that night, and – Phone rings at home. This this is not cell phones. This is actual phone in the house. And <laughs> and he said so. He says this is Joe Gibbs. And I thought it was one of my friends playing a joke. You know, Joe Gibbs is not calling me on my phone. And, but anyway, so we talked. He's like, "You would you like to have a meeting?" So we had this meeting, and, and it was totally different. I mean, he's he's got. Nothing. No cars, no building, no anything. But he's got a sponsor, which most people don't have. So, you know, so I enjoyed Norm and Tommy Miller. They were fantastic. But, uh, you know, just putting all that together. And I knew that Jimmy Maycar was the person that I needed there to put all of this together, to, to make sure that it was done in the proper way. I think, what, we had 18 employees yeah, uh, when Jimmy started that in the first year. Yeah. 1992, we ran with 18 employees. Unbelievable what he did. Uh, he actually took an old souvenir storage shop and, and made it into a race shop. And, and uh, you know, then we come back in our second year. But, but you know, when you meet Joe Gibbs and you have time to sit down and talk to him, and I, I would say this anywhere, not because you're sitting here, but he's the most influential person. He and my dad are the two most that I've ever met in my entire life and been a part of. And he had Kelly and I to come up to uh, the Redskins camp and, and to see 
the extensive work that they did to for each of their football players they took in. I, I knew right then that this was somebody that was going to be successful at whatever he decided to do. Uh, but getting into racing, that was something. He told us, he said, look, this is how much money that we have. We're going to make it work or we're getting out. So we got, we got to make it work or <laughs> no we're pressure, leaving right? here. I, yeah. wish so, yeah. I, I wish I'd have lived up to that. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you my other part yeah. of that. So I'm coaching. Three months into racing, I got Don Meredith running the business side of things. JD's down there running around. And so Don comes and says, I need to have a meeting with you. Thursday night's the only night I had off coaching because I had my dinner at the Palm. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there at the Palm. And just as I got ready to take a bite of my steak, he goes, we're $250,000 in debt. <laughs> he was over budget. He was over budget. I think it was something like that. It yeah. may not have been too big. And I thought to myself, I choked. I said, oh, my gosh. I says, go back. We got to put Jimmy Maycar in front of everything, which you did. We put him over everything and somehow survived that first year. And then I think the victory in Daytona 500 yeah, honestly sure. said to me, okay, you know. I got to tell you a great story real okay, quick. Okay, go for it. My wife and I, Pat, go down to Daytona, very first race. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know anything about, you know, what we got into. She approved it. Go on the boat, had a big deal on the yacht. Mm-hmm. NASCAR had a uh, party there. Got off. Felix Sabata says, come on, I want to show you my yacht. Go on that yacht. <laughs> we got off that yacht. Hey, we got off that yacht. And he goes, hey, there, there's Rick's yacht over there. Pat got my hand. We're walking back to the parking lot. Halfway to the car, she looked up at me. And she goes like this. We just got in the wrong deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately for me, you got in the right deal. And that, that win in 93 was just incredible to have that happen. You know, so many things about the day. I mean, we had a great test uh, in, uh, in January there, and I, I knew that Jimmy Makar was going to give me a car that I could, could work with. And then, you know, to pass Dale Earnhardt, to get the first win for you, to be in the, the Daytona 500. There were just so many things. Here's a funny story, though. We had to deal with the NFL that I wore a different helmet in every race so but so we started in the second the first year it was kind of designed out where they would go but the second year they said okay we're just gonna kind of pull each team out of the hat and that's how you'll wear the helmets and so the first one that came out was the Dallas Cowboys helmet at the Daytona 500 in 1993. I was wearing a Dallas Cowboys. So it was sick. I got out of the car so excited and this helmet sitting on the roof of the car and Joe comes over and we're hugging and he sees this helmet sitting there, and he says, "Get put that somewhere. We, can, we can't have that being out here. So the rest of our celebration, we didn't even know for a while where that helmet had got to. Somebody really did get rid of it oh, for yeah, a while. Yeah, yeah they, they did a good job of hiding that. And then two weeks later, before we're going to Richmond, he calls and says, I, I probably should tell you something uh, before you come up here to Richmond, which not far from sure. the Redskins uh, area. And he said, uh, I'm going to retire. I said, whoa, whoa, we won one race. Hold on here. You might want to keep this day job. But, but, but things obviously have turned out very, very well, and it's because of the person this man is. So your job in all this was to chase those guys, right? That was, yeah. that was my role. My, my role was to try to keep up. That's all I did. Hey, I had to do that, too, after helping build it. Then later on, had to try to figure out how to outrun it. So, uh, so uh, just a great job. So you start with 18. There's, what, 500 people at Joe Gibbs Racing now? Do you ever walk around and go, how in the world did we get from there to here? I actually get scared every time. Time we get together you know i go oh yeah. my gosh you know yeah. and it is and we got people there my dream is to have people come stay there retire there jimmy still there we we hand out we hand out 20 year awards now right and we got a bunch of them a favorite went on that jd was giving out nice watches okay right. for 10 year deals and so the first year was not not a big deal we get to a 10 there were three or four people you know five 
And so after the next year, it starts more and more fighting. J.D. goes, we're going to have to start firing some people in nine years. <laughs> we can't afford the 10 years. We can't afford to gifts. give the awards. <laughs> uh, well, coming up in a minute on NASCAR America, we'll talk about the philosophies that really went into making Joe Gibbs Racing one of the powerhouses in NASCAR. That's all coming up on NASCAR America. Welcome back to NASCAR America, live from the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Our guest today, Joe Gibbs. He has a commanding presence, not just on the field or on the track, but in the broadcast booth as well. Let's go back to 1999. Winston Cup racing has come to Southern Florida, and Southern Florida is putting on one heck of a show. NBC Sports has assembled quite a team to cover all the action today. Let's go up to the booth and Alan Bestwick. Alan. Joining me for the call of today's race, six times a Winston Cup winning car owner in 1999, Coach Joe Gibbs. Joe, Bobby Labonte, he's your driver chasing Dale Jarrett for the championship. Dale drove for you earlier in his career. Your emotions on this are what? So what's at stake for these two guys? To be recognized as one of the two best in the world at what you do, and also millions of bucks. Yeah, lots and lots of money. Uh, back in the day, Coach, <laughs> I was on the broadcast with you, by the way, back yeah. in 1999. Yeah. Did you have fun doing NASCAR that, television? That was my one and only appearance. <laughs> well, was, never, for that. I've never got invited back. For that. Well, well, yeah. they, 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 they were right, too. Get him out of there. No, come yeah. on. We have more to come on that front. Yeah. So uh, some guy I know won the championship that day, you yeah. know. But he was driving for a different team back then. So. Yeah. He came back and got it the next year, though. So <laughs> exactly. it went well. Not that you need to see Coach Gibbs' resume, but here it is anyway. And we'll start with the football stuff. And obviously, that earned him a trip to Canton. He began coaching in 1964, won three Super Bowls with Washington, as we mentioned. One of only four coaches to do that, and the only coach to do it with three different quarterbacks. Now for the second page, which is the NASCAR resume for Coach Gibbs. Obviously, the success carried over as a team owner pursuing his fifth Monster Energy Cup Series championship this year. 146 wins. That's amazing for Joe Gibbs Racing, and not bad for a company that began with 18 employees. So let's talk about all the parallels from football to racing. Kind of what did you carry over philosophy-wise to make racing as successful as it was the football game? I was scared to death to go into something else. I mean, after all, what had I done for 30 years? Yeah. Stay on the sideline and go, hit him, kill him. <laughs> yeah, what am I going to do now? And so I come over to racing, and honestly, what happened to me, I was afraid, but when I came over, I started realizing it was the same exact thing, almost exactly. Hmm. You know, in football, you got to have what? A great quarterback over here? What do you got to have? Great, uh, great, hey, great driver. And great driver. Okay, yeah. over football, you oh, got wait. coaches. I thought, he, I thought he was going you got to coach. coaches. I've heard this speech before, I thought he, he was got, coach and driver. We so. got coaches over here. <laughs> you got to have crew chiefs. Yeah. And it all started, and the bottom line is if you get the right people, yeah. it's people, teamwork, people. And I was a technical person in football. I could call some plays and stuff and design stuff. Over here, I'm not. And so I depend on a lot of people over here. Coy right now, JD, mm -hmm. our family, we're all about racing. That's what our family, what we all want to do. I got the grandkids coming. And, but it is people and getting the right people together. And so I found, after I was in this for a while, you know, the difference is over here we have sponsors. And again, that's people. I love that aspect of what we do. You get a Norm Miller, you get Fred Smith, you get the people at these different companies, and uh, they come on board, and over here, they're a real partner. They're in the game. Mm. They're on the car. They're going around in circles. It's not that way in football, basketball, baseball. So 
I love that aspect of it is people working with people. And so I, I, after a while I said, Hey, you know, this, this is a lot like football. So, so one thing I've noticed about your organization from the day one is that when people come to work for you, they rarely leave. You're very loyal work base. Was it like that in football? Is that something you learned in football? You're right here. Is it just, I, I think you're building, you're building teams and I think it is people. And if you have people and they're, you, you put the team together, I think at that point there is a loyalty and it goes both ways. For instance, we said on Monday mornings that our, our meeting there with all of our front office group, you know, we've been there for almost all of us. JD has been there for 25 years. Um, and most of the people sitting around that room have been there 20 years. They've seen every nut and bolt that was put on here. And our deal is I want the grandkids to have a good race team. And so that's a big part of what we're doing family-wise. And I look at a lot of the people that work for us in there. It's the only problem with being bigger is you lose contact with, you know, it's hard. Yeah. When we first started, Dale remembers 18 people. I knew everybody. Mm-hmm. Bucky's out back, you know, <laughs> painting cars. I would yeah. go back there and be smoking a cigarette. And I go, he's going to blow up the whole back of the house. And Bucky's still with us. Okay. He is. He is. And so, uh, you know, you lose that a little bit when you get bigger. But also there's more people now that can work for us, have a good job. And they're a big part of what we do. So it's people. If you get the right people, they're going to make you look good. Yeah. You talk about similarities there. Let's talk about you. Let's go back to, you said Dell Earnhardt. We're all fans of Dell Earnhardt and his abilities. Could you, is there a quarterback or a player that you could relate uh, in the NFL that would have been like Dell Earnhardt? Well, I think, uh, I think what Dale Earnhardt was, I used to tell, I used to kid him. I say, you'd have been a good linebacker. (laughs) You know what I admired about Dale was this, no matter what it was, Okay, he had the right. He never complained. You know, you saw him. He never got, you know, in in a situation where he would pout or anything. I remember they wrecked him here at Charlotte, turned him over two or three times. He got out. He came over, took his helmet off. And everybody goes, oh, my, he's going to throw that helmet. And the guy came around. He went just like this. He went, (laughs) I got you. I'm going to get you. But I, I think everybody admired him because he was a man's man. You know what I mean? And he handled things the right way. And so we had such a respect for him and I, I think a lot of the other guys in our sport. So it's a huge deal. I love being in it and I love the competition part of it. And guys on weekends still get pretty mad at each other. Good after it. Right? I guess Boy. linebacker would have been right because he loved to hit people. Yeah, I had several players. I used to tell them there were a lot like, uh, you know, he reminded me of some mm-hmm. of our football players because he was aggressive and yet, he did. I felt like he really was the reason why everybody liked him. He was he handled everything the right way. Yeah. Real quick, what's harder to win, a Super Bowl or a NASCAR championship? I tell you, both of them, greatest thrills in your life. Pat said it best. They're, it's like having babies. They're all great. That's, and that's yeah. true. Uh, you can't, you know, when you got your family with you and you're in the winner's yeah. circle, you don't get anything bigger than that. J.D., Coy, all the kids. Mm-hmm. And now with the grandkids. And then when in football, on the sideline, one of my greatest pictures I love is the one I got coy, you know, by the head there on the sideline. And uh, family is a big deal. Your family is with you. It's it's a thrill. And our family's been with us, you know, the whole way and got to enjoy both sports. All right. Plenty more to come on NASCAR America, including the playoff standings next. And your questions for Coach Gibbs, use a hashtag, Ask Coach Gibbs.
Sunday, the NASCAR Monster Energy Cup Series playoffs reach the round of eight at Martinsville. And seven-time champ Jimmy Johnson is among the drivers battling for the championship in his quest for a record eighth title. Sunday, 3 Eastern on NBCSN. Speaking of Jimmy Johnson, he starts the round of eight tied on the cut line with Kevin Harvick as the playoffs head to Martinsville this weekend. Coach Gibbs drivers Kyle Busch in good shape. Denny Hamlin actually below the cut line but at his favorite racetrack at Martinsville, as we mentioned. So they expect to fare very well this weekend. When NASCAR America returns from the Hall of Fame, Joe Gibbs will answer some of your questions, plus a little more Joe Gibbs history with us at NBC Sports. Video you do not want to miss. Coming up next. I'm joined live by Mike Ditka and Joe Gibbs. I'd be so nervous, to tell you the truth. I'd look around. The fans were out in the parking lot at RFK. They're running around throwing Frisbees, eating hot dogs, and they're all yelling, hey, Joe, come on over, and I'm about ready to throw up. A member of the newest class of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, former Washington Redskins coach Joe Gibbs. And again, our heartiest congratulations. Now, listen, if Ditka went in as a player, I went in as a coach. How come you guys let him boss me around on the <laughs> show? Should I be calling the shots? Joe, what's a coach feeling right about now? I may have an opportunity to make a call or something that would cost us a Super Bowl game, and I actually did that. Before that play, a lot of people in Washington thought I was pretty smart. After that play, the next day in the Washington Post, I was called a buffoon, and that's a true story. <laughs> it took them that long to figure that out. What are you laughing hours. about? <laughs> that is awesome, Coach Gibbs. That was back in the day, and, and, and you were part of our NFL team. Many people may not remember that either. i got to tell you, Dicka is my favorite character in life. That man, every story they tell about him is true. I'll say that first. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And I will say that is a true story, too. I mean, we go to that Super Bowl that year. It's one of the best teams I feel like, you know, certainly has played yep. in the NFL. Everybody's saying I'm pretty smart. And in one call I made, in 18 seconds, I went from being a pretty smart guy to the next day in the Washington Post, <laughs> I was called a buffoon. And that's true. Well, we would never true. call you that today, Coach. <laughs> no. we got to get some fan questions real quick. Cheryl Bradley, and we may only have time for one, how do you deal with the four different personalities of your drivers, Coach? I think it is hard. I think quarterbacks, everybody's mm -hmm. got a different temperament. They all have one, all that. And i got to tell you, Kyle... Where is it pretty much right here? Yeah. You're going to know? Yeah. Denny's a little bit more laid back, but he's got a fire to him. Daniel, nobody can figure out <laughs> what he's saying, so we got that going. Yeah. And now we got uh, we got Matt as the right. cool gentleman. Right. Well, Coach, so, it's, been, it's been great to have you today. We're yeah. running out of time. We'll be back here tomorrow at 5. More with the King, Richard Petty. Always fun to hang out with a coach, though. Thanks for being here, Coach. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.